A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi. You have reached a one-hour recording of Darcy Parrish being named the Anzac medalist. Click one to repeat. Click two for the Dr. Supercoach podcast. Welcome back to the Dr. Supercoach podcast. You're on once again with Cheezo on a week where my boy finally gets his recognition and Pistol's mob gets their just desserts. I thought it was only fitting that we got Pistol on the podcast, mate. Talk to me how you're feeling. There was a lack of responses in the DMs uh, after the game yesterday, mate. I just want to check in and a bit of a wheelchair check. Uh, how are you going? Two. Two, two. I'm pressing number two. How do we skip straight to the podcast? <laughs> I think you're looking for the forward 30 seconds button, buddy, but you're, you're living it live, mate. You can't get out of it. Oh, How was no. your week? Super coach-wise, uh, not too bad, Chizo. Uh, 2304 mm-hmm. for me, up to 600 and... Uh, I just closed my page. I think it's 632nd overall, so uh, not doing too badly. Jumped you this week, which I was pretty yep. excited about. Um Decided to not panic at all with my trades. I went a little bit zen-like um, during the round and held on to Clark and held on to Campbell and just copped the Clark 13 on my field, um, which was not super pleasant, but I thought better than burning you know, the trades to Mantle. It was definitely a chaotic round. As soon as you know that Dunkley injury happened, everything changed. All my trade plans... Uh, kind of went up in the air, my future planning up in the air. It just meant that, all right, you know, 
he was just crazy. I, I don't really know what more to say, Chiso. How did you go? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm totally on board with that. It was crazy, crazy round. Uh, 22-37 for me, which was not too bad. Avoided the uh, the dusty drama um, and a lot of the other things that were going on, except for Dunks. Um, so moved to 8-92, um, which is not too bad. I'm pretty happy with that. Um, considering all that's uh, been going on. 23 trades remaining, a few uh, little moves going on this week, planning on doing an upgrade this week as well, so hoping to get another rookie off-field. So uh, things are looking up. Pistol, speaking of things looking up, we've improved our position from last week of 9 of the top 10 to 11 of the top 12 leagues in Supercoach, mate. We just got that one pesky uh, league at number 8 from Geordie that is just, uh, you know, just for, just for a couple of rounds, it'd be nice if you just kind of tanked a little bit there boys if you're listening and just so we can you know just say for once so we had 10 of the top 10 so um everyone that's been going absolutely smashing particularly in slack and things like that has uh um just been going from strength to the strength and even through all this carnage i'm hoping that if we come out the other side we'll be uh, looking even stronger with a slack ownership where ridley is owned by more than 80 percent of teams I think the pain is probably coming in the next couple of rounds on the on yeah. our on the league rankings for uh, everyone else because Dusty is a unique in our Slack and he's out and Ridley is heavily owned so going to be a crazy couple of weeks I think that's for sure. Speaking of crazy pistol, it's been geez what is it our f- fifth year now we considered premiums premium options uh five years of the the one intro mate we've obviously been hit with the band hammer some copyright content uh we've had to do a little switch so gone is the the old intro in with the new maybe a little bit of a uh um, change up every now and then and uh, we've also got the new podcast artwork if you haven't checked that out uh that's been updated as well just to kind of uh fit in with the brand and the sign of the times pistol 2021 we can't be using um you know (laughs) something that i I edited on my ipad about six years ago anymore so (laughs) um uh, looking to upgrade uh looking to bring in a premium and that's what we've done with our podcast artwork and hopefully some uh, big news coming soon pistol too so um, we're creeping up on the 450 patrons as well, 443. And uh, we do have some shout-outs that we do have to give out. We've got Steve Hunt, Dave Quinlan, John O'Carroll, who loves Chizo's DMs. Uh, I'm basically running his team right now. Um, Corey Brackledge, uh, James Perkins, Travis Ellums, Jerome Purves, uh, Harry Fletcher, Pat L. Hulia, J- Max Curtis, uh Cruzy, Jamie, Tom Gunner, Scott Phillips, Just Robert, um, Tim Farker, Ben, David, Sing Kick Lee, Jay Sun, Callum Tranter, Robert Hughes, and Just Tom. So another big week for Patreon. (laughs) Another big week for Patreon and uh, another big week of content there, Pistol. Obviously, with the no Thursday night uh, games, we we actually put out two podcasts last week. Uh, As the round progressed and we saw the Dunkley injury, uh, I actually put out an emergency podcast. I think it was Saturday or Sunday. Um, Just as our... uh, It gives us the freedom that the the, the public podcast doesn't to kind of change our ideas on the fly and change advice if anything, you know, changes. And in the terms of the Dunkley injury, knowing that he was going to be traded out this week, um, it it altered what trades we might have done last round um, because it's going to be really hard to do uh, an upgrade and downgrade this week considering that we've got some injury news that we need to kind of deal with first and foremost. Yeah, there was a lot of patron-only content last week. We had a podcast on um, questions from our patrons. We had a little mini 
uh, pod and then your one, Chizo, as well, that you put out there just uh, this is what we should do now that Dunkley's injury, this is how uh, mm. we're going to adapt and I guess what news is relevant and what news is not relevant based from our previous podcast. You know, how does it all change with a, you know, being in this fluid gameplay now that Dunkley's out? So, um, definitely good, a good time to jump on board. I think we're getting things well under control, but there were still quite a few donuts that were carried around Chizo. Oof. Unfortunately, there are quite a few teams that copped it this week, but it is, you know, for all for a good cause, the Cancer Council. They are racking up the donations this year, which is very generous of the listeners. So, thank you very much. We will start with Paul Top said Flynn R2 and Mika R3. Thanks for starting Draper. I believe that was from last week, just after we recorded the podcast. Um, James this week says Clark Donut meant losing head to head by 11 points. It's not grace. Not a donut, but yeah, close to it. Appreciate it. Tom G says jumped on Lockie Jones early after Clark was named the sub rather than playing Cozzy on field. This move only netted me an extra seven points for the week, and now I have no Clark and no Jones. Fingers crossed Dan Houston gets up this week, so I'm not eating donuts. That's a... Jumping on Lockie Jones after Clark was named sub, that sounds bad. That's really bad. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like you need to be in news, news, news in the Slack channel. <laughs> uh, Tim, Tim, oh, you said it on... You said it... It's, Tim Farker... Uh, signed up to Patreon twice, and Cheezo chopped me out with a refund, <laughs> refund without me asking. Good job, Cheezo. Oh, he hasn't... Has he donated the Cancer Council for that? Yep. I appreciate it very much. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. <laughs> Zach Zamet, get on the beers, says, reverse my trades for the round last minute to only forget to switch my VC and C and also my emergency, so I didn't get Scott's score, but luckily I had the C on McRae. Lucked out there. Red... Cyrus says, forgot to switch Grundy back on field after using Flynn for my C loophole, and it's not looking pretty. Youch. Yeah. Flynn on field, Grundy <laughs> on bench. That is a pain. Uh, Luke Trawane says, Brett Ratton is a snack. <laughs> Joe Mastika says, what's black and red and tastes nice? A Jordan Ridley donut. I don't know if it tastes that nice. Tim Naylor says, <laughs> donut. How does Hymon not get a gig? I can't answer that one for you. Seeker11 says, Oh boy, well, it was only one donut when it could have been more. I don't want any more carnage, please, and thank you. No, thank you for your donation. Kimbo says, First donut in the Dr. Supercoach era for Kimbo. Ratten should be paying for this and not for playing Highmore. Um, tend to agree. Aaron Gillies says, Was out and about and in a rush to close close to game time. I swear I clicked trade Jordan Clark, but after selecting a complete trade, it turns out I had done Cozzy instead of Jordan Clark to Mansell. <laughs> it was really painful oh, no. watching Cozzy tear up Adelaide and copping a donut I didn't need to cop. <laughs> that's bad. <laughs> is that Sorry, is that a double donation? Oh, no, that's 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 really bad. <laughs> Thank you for your like donation, it. and that's not a great week. Uh, Watto says, donating for a high more donut, the man is more likely to go to the moon than play in the Saints backline right now. Benny Buzzboy <laughs> says, oh, it's going to be a poem. I'm, I'm, I'm on to you now, Benny. Uh, first, it's Danger and Butters, then Ridley. Without a donut, my score was just piddling. Now it's Dusty and Dunks, my team's young rookie punks, and an upgrade this week's looking fiddly. Haiku. That's very good. I was very worried there would nice. be a swear in there. There wasn't. Nearly finished. Just three more. Barbecue Barb says, love these nuts. Thanks, Barbecue Barbs. Uh, AFL Obsessed Rosanna says, first donation in the Dr. Supercoach verse for a high more donut. 
keep the weekly minis coming. There we go. Minis will have a fan. And ZP says, ZP, fats from the donut. Thank you very much, ZP. Unfortunately, donut for you. But it's just one week. Hopefully, no more donuts for the next week. Otherwise, you know, the arms start looking a bit flabby. So, (laughs) um, yeah, hopefully no more donuts for anyone. It was very nice of Rosanna to donate all the way from the US. And actually, with the uh, the foreign exchange and conversion, she actually made money off that donation. So, uh, good to good for you, Rosanna. Um, we'll jump into some news. We do need to, uh, straight off the bat before we get into the big topics, uh, Neil, syndesmosis surgery is going to be out for, for eight weeks. We saw that later on in the game. And it, autom- it didn't look good as soon as you saw it, Pistol. So, um, uh, one that's got to go this week. Uh, if you also are one of the coaches that have Neil and Josh Dunkley, it's going to be hard because he's out for 12 weeks with a shoulder, Rico, and you could tell from the body language that uh, he, he knew from the doctors that he was going to be uh, spending some time on the sidelines, wasn't too impressed. Dusty looking to only be out for one week with concussion, uh, but Dimmer also said uh, in his press conference after the game, Pistol, that he's been suffering with some, uh, some pain in his foot, uh, whether it's a bit of plantar fasciitis or something like that that we're not entirely sure but uh hopefully he's going to be good for the rest and right for the picking when he's dropped a, a little bit of cash after that 30 uh for those owners that don't have him the about 12 owners that don't have him oh boy it's just like if this season <laughs> every week every week there's something i guess we're not short on uh giving our opinion and advice this season Chiso. Mm. Well, we might as well uh, crack on with the obvious topic for this week, which is what to do if you own Dunkley or Neil, or if you own both of them, um, like we know some people do. Pistol, the primos that we can trade out for Dunkley and Neil, uh, due to their price, is pretty good. You know, It's not like that we're trading out someone that uh, hadn't appreciated in enough uh, cash yet um, or they uh, were coming off an injury and got injured again and we have to move them on they still haven't appreciated. The, particularly Dunkley, the amount of cash that he has generated to start the year with his uh, you know, phenomenal 120-plus average means that we can basically pick anyone from any line and a lot of us that were using that DPP to have him in the midfield to start the year... Uh, it, it means it gives us even more flexibility if you're thinking about upgrading. Uh, you know, you're trying to cover one of these rookies that we have in the back line. I know Cozzy's just come off a good score, but um, we thought Chapman was going to be really good, and then he's had a, a you know a poor couple of weeks. So it just gives us that flexibility that um, if you, yeah, I know you are in that situation of having dunks. Talk me through how you're sort of approaching this situation and how to replace him. So. It's a great question. I think for everyone, the answer to this is going to be very different. Dunkley gives you the opportunity to look at your team and identify where you are the weakest and lets you fix your structure of your side. It's a great enabler to fix any problem that you have in your side. I I wouldn't necessarily grab the best available. I think it's very important to ensure your team is safeguarded against future problems and future donuts. So this week, when I'm looking at my side, I'm definitely looking at what rookies I have, which ones I have to play on the field, and which ones I would love to get onto the bench. And that's how I'm going to be spending and splashing my my Dunkley money this week. So it sounds like um, we've seen a lot of people um, sort of saying, I don't have Oliver or I don't have McRae or I don't have Steele. You're not in that camp where it's just go 
at an expensive premium to an expensive premium, you're looking to try and find value with the cash that is appreciated to start this year. Yes and no. I'm I'm more trying to fill a position rather than necessarily get value. I'm happy to pay for Lloyd if I'm missing a backman and need a backman and he's not the best value. Like I'm happy to do that. And if, if mm. he is the best value, then that's just kind of a bonus. I, I do think players like um, Oliver are really good value. So that might be, you know, a bonus if you need a midfielder. Um, but seriously, a lot of teams I look at, they either have three premium midfielders, in which case you kind of need to trade Dunkley for a premium midfielder because you just can't be running three premium midfielders. It's way too few. There's teams that only have three premium defenders, and I look at them and think, geez, you need another premium defender. Therefore, you're trading Dunkley to a defender via all of your DPP. Or you kind of are in the same boat as most people where you have Jay-Z at F1 now and you have Impy potentially at F2. And for those teams that have Dusty on the bench, you might be looking and thinking, geez, I have five forward rookies that might get dropped this week. I really need to trade in Dunkley to a forward. And that's kind of how I would be judging, you know, you might be a combination of all of those and that's you know an awful place to be, Jay-Z. But that's kind of how I'd be judging what, to do with Dunkley this week. So it sounds like what you're saying to me is that um, it's obviously team dependent. There's um, If you're not struggling in any particular area, uh, you might consider going to um, one of these big guns like Steele and McRae. But the likelihood is that you're going to be struggling with something this year. And at the moment, it seems to be you know, particularly in the forward line, particularly, you know, if you've got like a Dusty there as well this week, you've got to deal with, um, it just makes sense to try and cover the most dangerous, you know, part of your team that's likely to get a donut or a poor score on field. And that's sort of centering around the forward line as where, uh, if you already have him there. Sure, it could very well be. Yeah, that might be the reason. But yes, overall, <laughs> fix your your biggest hole of why you're sinking in Supercoach this season. That might be not having McRae. I know we were just talking about that, but if you don't have McRae and he's sinking you every week, great. Now you can get McRae, and that's still a hole to fix. Yeah. Uh, is this sort of like for those that um, have been toying around with a rookie at R2 or uh, Hickey at R2, is this sort of like the, the opportunity... You know, to be able to go and get the Grundy or the Gorn that you missed if you've got a little bit of cash there? Because I know uh, the difference between Dunkley and, and Grundy um, is not all that great if you didn't start him. Even if you had that difficulty with your forward line, that's kind of where the problems lie. The ongoing fact that you just don't have Grundy in your team, is is that have a higher weighting for you? Would, be, would you be trying to take this opportunity to fix that or would you still be focusing on where the overall worst position on your field is. No, absolutely. If you went into the season with Flynn at R2, you, this is a time where you fix that immediately. Both Ruckman are scoring exceptionally well, 141 corners averaging, which I think is quite underrated. People probably don't realize that it's averaging that high. And Grundy is averaging 124. They're mm. both unbelievable players. So, yep. yes, if you have... I mean, look... If you had Gorn and not Grundy, I can kind of see why you would not want to like get Flynn off your field as averaging 94, yada, yada, yada. He's got Gold Coast this week, Grundy. Gold Coast, who haven't had a ruck win. Maybe they rush back Zach Smith, but even if they do rush back Zach Smith, he's being rushed back. Like Grundy is, Grundy's in for a treat 
this round. Uh, this this is the time to get him. <laughs> so, look, it's it's an easy out for for Flynn R2 owners this round. And you know, obviously the um, the whole idea with going with uh, Flynn at R2 was to have a DPP R3. The the obvious kind of question that we're we're saying is that Dunkley will come out. We're going to use that DPP, push Flynn to the bench, and bring Grundy in. Uh, if you didn't have DPP at R three, are you still are, are you making the move to to get that non DPP player out, or you just that complete lack of flexibility has just stymied you, and you've just got to wait to upgrade Flynn when he, he no, makes his top? Don't just just get get Gorn and Grundy. Just get it done. Get it done. So, so, so you would get rid of your your loophole non DPP at R three with an extra yeah. trade a, and then a lot use of the people, cash. A lot of people have Meek. Yes. So he, so so yes, I would. Plus, you get to kind of cash out on Meek, which is kind of nice. Yep. Instead of having to go, you know, down, you get to save some money that way. So I think um, that would be the ideal move, um, Cheese, in my opinion. But look, we're going to have to cover the the, the trading options across every single line for this podcast. So I think we just need to start take the bull by the horns now, Cheese, and just <laughs> start going through them. What position do you want to start with? Because we, we're going to have a lot to talk about. Well, I, I, wanting to start with is, is probably not the right right topic. Um, being forced to start with the forward line, I think is the obvious one. A lot of us are going to have Josh Dunkley in the forward line. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably the most difficult position for me this year because we've always got a lot of midfielders that average 110 plus or thereabouts that we can kind of pick off after they have a bad game we've all kind of prioritized the defense rucked taking care of itself but the forward line is just so hit and miss this year to the point that we've got harry Mackay, the ninth highest averaging forward <laughs> and uh, in aggregate and tom mcdonald at number eight and it's just scaring the heck out of me that above the top six we've got Dunkley, Zebel with the awesome role, uh Tex, Green, Impy, Dusty, Zorko in the top seven, a lot of names that we expect to kind of see on a regular basis. But then if we read the next seven, we've got Tom McDonald, Harry Mackay, Sam Reed, Nick Hind, Aaron Norton, Bailey Dale, and Tom Atkins. Uh in terms of, you know, points aggregate this year, it's just not showing like there's a lot of confidence that we can have in the forward line. And it almost signifies to me that I want to jump on the bona fide proven premiums for my kind of sleep at night factor than it does for me to try and take a punt on someone like Tom McDonald at 430K that has done it in the past, but is less likely to average in the 90s than someone like a Zorko. All right. There, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to unpack here, Chizo. Firstly, yes. I enjoyed your KFC Supercoach fried chicken pun that you threw in there. Uh, <laughs> thank you for that with your, your burn fried stars. Um, but is that a look, thing? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> um, very, very quickly before we start actually talking about the proper options that I want to look at, um, Tom McDonald. I know you mentioned how well he was scoring, averaging 94 this season, a three-round average of 111. He's 431K. He's kind of in that price where people are looking at these awkward price premiums and trying to yeah. squeeze in as many premiums as they can. He has North Melbourne, Sydney, Carlton, Adelaide in a row <laughs> coming up. 
He could be um, the best pick this year. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we've seen him average 98 before in the past. Is he someone that we should actually consider given how well Melbourne are travelling or it's just too much of a punt at this point in time? Well, that's sort of what I'm saying. Like, if there's... If you had, like, say, 10 really confident um, forward premiums that you had to pick from, you could take a punt on someone that you thought was going to have a good year. But the fact of the matter is you're going to be taking... If Tom McDonald's the first guy that you're bringing in, you know, you've probably still got three other forward line positions to fill as you're upgrading. You know, how many of these risks are going to compound and stack on top of each other to the point that you end up with three forwards that are, at, you know, averaging 80 by the, the, the season's end? I think because of the um, insecurity that I'm feeling around the forward line, I would like to pick the likes of a Zorko, uh, the likes of a Toby Green, um, and, you know, maybe the likes of even a steel side bottom that hasn't had a great start to the year, hasn't had a particularly good role until Anzac Day. Um, I think I would like the assurity of knowing that I'm buying a proven commodity as opposed to taking a risk um, on three or four of these guys that could just completely burn your team into shreds. So I assume you're also putting like Shy Bolton kind of in that basket because we know he's super talented and Presti is you know, due to yes. come back. Yes, yeah. He, he's the first to go out of that midfield. He's, he's obviously really highly rated as a midfielder in that team because even when they have their full allotment, he still gets centre bounce rotations. Um, I just see him, you know, even with that role right now with Prestia not in the team, he's really only topping out at around three figures. And when Prestia comes in, what's he become? Like a high 80s average. Um, and that, that for me is just enough risk for me to be scared. If he, if he was averaging 120 without Prestia in the team, I, I'd be a lot more interested. All right. So we're going to have to break down the best midfield options. I'm just going to throw a couple that I think we need to talk about. Um, Roel Marshall, Toby Green, Steel Sidebottom, Dane Zorko, the big four. Mm-hmm. I think they're the ones... Uh, I don't think I'm missing anyone, Cheezer, unless you've got anyone. Uh, danger in like six months when he comes back. Well, I could say the same, but in a couple of weeks as well. So we'll ignore those. Those are the four I want to talk about. So I just want to go through them one by one. Yeah, break we'll them start down. with the most expensive. Rowan Marshall, ruck forward eligible, played as, I guess, sole ruck this week, given Ryder's absence. At once squad 132 looked phenomenal. Is he somebody that is on your radar at 557000 I still think he's a little bit overpriced. I, I still think he's going to come down in price a little bit. He's only played the, the, the two games. You can probably pick him up for under 500K. So I think that, um, you know, this year, still, I think he's still a little bit inflated from last year. He obviously had that performance without Ryder. Ryder's been confirmed to be coming back this week, and he still scores okay with Ryder in the team, but not as well as he does when Ryder's not in the team, Um, so when Marshall's playing forward. And also that foot is really troubling me a little bit. He's obviously um, uh, been managing that, and it's going to be something that is going to be continued to be managed during the year, and it just doesn't scream a scenario that I want to be spending 560 on someone like Raul Marshall. If he was sub 500, I could agree with taking the punt. Um, but I just I feel like that's a little bit too too much risk for me in, in the way that he gets impacted and the fact that he's kind of managing this foot injury. Raul Marshall looked unbelievable on the weekend. So I definitely I watch him and I think, like, this guy's so good. I can totally understand why people want to get him inside. 
But you're right, with Ryder probably coming back in this week, he's been he played last year a bit more as a key forward, and I understand he's very good at it, and he looks mm. very good. Also, take into account they, you know, they looked bad, as in not him, but Saints as a whole. I know Port's a very good side, but if they are going to get pummeled, then I don't want a key forward in a side that's going to get absolutely pummeled. I do think that his high highs will be really high. I think his low lows could be very low. I don't think he's a pick that we won't consider again in the future, but I totally agree that I just feel like he will get way cheaper at some point, and that's when I'll get him. And I don't think I want to pay this price for him right now. So I don't think it'll be the best use of money. So I think we're aligned there. Cheese the next most expensive one, Toby Green, 505. Average of 100. Has pretty much put bags of goals in every single game so far this season. How do you think he goes for the rest of the year? I like it. I, I, I think the, the fact that they've had a little bit of a, a change in the midfield for GWS has freed him up. I think this is what we expected from Toby Green over the last four or five years, I guess you could say, ever since he, he kind of broke onto the scene. I am a little bit worried going forward that he's going to miss a game through suspension or through injury or something like that. But I'm not seeing anything this year that we haven't seen in previous years. So it's not like uh, it's not like a, the, the curtain has been opened and I've suddenly seen the light of Toby Green being a forward premium. He's always been there. There's a reason that you and I start him like two out of every four years. <laughs> it's because we expect years like this. And this is the year I wish I had already jumped on. You're not going to find him... Uh, you know, underpriced. He's already appreciated because he started the year well. He's averaging a hundred. He's got a three-round average of a hundred and one. It's I I like it, but I just don't see him, um, you know, being like uh, in comparison to what Dunkley was. You're definitely not getting anything like that. If there was someone that probably could match Dunkley's output, I might be looking at someone like a, a Jack Zebel. Um, but I, I, I think Toby Green's a perfectly fine option to be looking at. There's just obviously that underlying risk you need to take into account when looking at the profile of your team. Yeah, look, he's averaging three goals a game, which is a lot. You know, he's on track to get 60-plus for the season. That would be a fantastic effort in a side that doesn't look super sharp. I don't mind it, Chizo. I just feel like Zorko and Cyborg, I'm more comfortable with those yeah. selections and, they, and with Toby Green. The price is not bad, so it's not like that's a, a major factor. It's more of a comfort issue. Um, Sleep at night factor. Yeah, I is what think you're saying. so. <laughs> I do, yeah, pretty much. That, that's a good way to summarize it. Um, I think we'll just jump into the next one because we've got to keep things moving because there's a lot to talk about. Still side one, 493,000. Um, coming off 119 where he basically was the main center bounce attendee for Collingwood on the weekend. How do you see him as an option this season? I don't mind it. I, I think a lot of us expected Steele to fall off this year. Not not in terms of he'll become an 80 averaging midfielder, um, but in the terms of the fact that he was overpriced to start the year, so we were avoiding. We all kind of had our eye on a few, you know, round 
10 or whenever we're, we're at that stage of upgrading that we might be looking at bringing him in and considering our buy structure because he might be someone we're considering. His role on the weekend was fantastic in terms of what I would like to see going forward. The scary thing is it's the first time he's been used as a pure center bounce midfielder this year, Pistol, and it's something that you've been talking around a little bit that based on his history, his pedigree, and the fact that Collingwood have no midfielders, he should be in there averaging 105. But the fact is he just hasn't been used in that role and only injuries have sort of allowed him to get where he is right now. Yeah, we were using him as a half forward for the first couple of weeks and he moves up the ground and you know plays a little bit of a, a wing with some center bounce um, you know, attendancies just thrown in as a rotation. But with Adams out and Dugowie out, and Saya, you know, clearly not been up to it this season so far, unfortunately, um, as a Collingwood supporter. That with this, we just don't have that many options. And Buckley finally threw him in there for the whole game, and he did really well. Like uh, it was great. And my problem is, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if we'll throw him back out. I don't know what will happen when players return from injury. My gut feel is. Buckley kind of puts him back to that role that he'd been playing previously this season. And his scores aren't... They're not super good. He's gone 87, 51, 79, 93, 119. So it's really that 119 that's a complete standout. But mm. when I look forwards, because we're really buying him for the future points, Chizo. We're not buying him for the past points. Gold Coast this week at the G, not a bad lineup. I guess we could kind of worry about a, a took tag or took run with and then you've got in north melbourne in round eight um i think that's another really i think they're both really good matchups for still cyborg i mean i doubt he gets a turn of tag as well in north i mean it would be very unfortunate if he got tagged in back-to-back weeks but i feel like they're both really good fixtures for him and he should put out big scores in the next two and his price will then jump back up over five hundred thousand. And then it's like, do you wait? Because it's so close to the buy as well. He's round 14 buy. Then you're like, do I wait until I get him You know, closer to the buy or after the buy? And it just becomes like this touch and go thing, mm. um, whether you get him or not. So I think now is this week is probably the week if I was going to jump on it would be now. But I also am, my, I have very tempered expectations for him. I, I think people expecting to go 100 plus, I, I wouldn't get that from, you know, Collingwood player this year. I think he's more likely to go between like 92 and 97, somewhere in that range. I think yeah. that's probably a fair amount. So yeah, definitely temper your expectations with this selection. I mean, obviously the the counter argument of that, he's got like, I, I can't say off the top of my head, you, you would definitely be able to say off the top of your head. I want to say like six or seven consecutive years where he's gone like mid to high 90s plus and he's had considerably better midfielders and less center bounce rotations than he has this year. I feel like Taylor Adams isn't back until after the bye. Jamie Elliott gets some center bounce rotations, isn't back until after the bye. Jordan Ngoi surely has shown Bucks enough that he shouldn't be used as a center bounce <laughs> rotation midfielder. And they've got a lot of young kids that they're trying to come through and they're stuffing them all in the forward line to kind of hide them there. I, I just don't see a scenario where we go for another 17 rounds in the super, in the super coach season. That's all I care about. In the AFL season, <laughs> and Bucks doesn't go, okay, we're going to put our bona fide midfielder at least on the wing. And I know we're seeing the, the, the same sort of thing with Jelly, but at least last week, or in the round just gone, we saw Buck, uh, Bucks throw Sidey 
not only onto a wing where he's played the last seven years of his career, but he was a centre bounce midfielder. You know, if I'm yeah. getting still side bottom for under 500k DPP, and Bucks is going to use him as a DPP, as a DPP, as a, a centre bounce midfielder, like that's you know screaming to me that this is good value, and so like. I can see why you would have tempered expectations if they continue to use him in that role that, um, you know, in the Josh Kelly role, which has now been coined as of now, you might you, you want to kind of avoid him. But at the same kind of thing, this is my whole, the whole crux of my decision this week is that I want to take guys that I can be really, really confident that if they have a bad year, I'm going to get 95 out of them. You know what I mean? And yeah. I feel like if I'm picking a Tom McDonald that's averaging 110 in the last fortnight, I could get 80s out of them in, you know, six weeks from now and then just they just taper off a cliff. Yeah, yeah. I, look, he, he hasn't gone below 94 since 2011. So, as I said, though, like Collingwood hasn't been this bad before. So, it's kind of a unique situation for yeah. him where he finds himself in a realistically a bottom two club at yeah. the moment so that that's that's new territory as well so sure. i expect him at his age over 30 years old to not have you know like a career high year <laughs> not really average over 100 I, that's why i'm I'm more suggesting tempered expectations but i totally hear what you're saying about picking a player that you know his downside is 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 still very high and that's why I think out of the lot of these players, Dane Zorko at 485 is also the cheapest out of all of them with a break-even of 83, so he will rise. Mm. With this news of Neil going out um, you know, for a little while now, this is, this is Dane Zorko's... This is his game now. Like he, He's right in the center bounces. He's going to be one of the main men um, for Brisbane, and we've seen him in the past as a pure midfielder go 110 plus. So yeah. the upside is very very high. And not just that, like he has already put out 4 tons this season. So I think that if you're trying to pick somebody that's going to average 95 plus, the guy that we want to pick this year is is Dane Zorko. Yeah, I agree. And for the, the a lot of the same reasons that I'm considering still side bottom are the reasons that we're considering Zorko, right? You know, he's got the long, consistent history of a, around three figures. It would be um, a press. What's what's the word? Like it, it would be setting a precedent for him to not go 95 plus, and the same sort of thing with Steel. Uh, it, I know you mentioned that Steel's now on the wrong side of 30, but so so is Dane Zorko. Zorko is like three yep. years older than him, and so. Um, <laughs> You know, both of these guys have their own inherent risks on the fact that they're on the, the the tail end of their careers and they are genuinely going to be tapering off. The thing with Zorko is that we've got a lot more confidence surrounding his role. In the preseason that they he came out and said himself, we're pushing Cam Rayner into the midfield. I'm going to go predominantly, you know, 60-40 um, forward. Um, Cam Rayner obviously um, got injured. And I think um, Frico came out this week and said that he, he's been sticking to that 60-40 split. He's been playing predominantly as a forward, and he's averaging around the 100 mark. I think that we're going to see now with Neil's injury out for two months, the fact that Brisbane haven't had a crazy hot start to the year and they still believe they're in the premiership window and they're going to be getting Neil back as they're kind of coming, 
on the you know the the back half of the year. It just makes sense to me that they're going to be throwing him into the midfield, and they need someone like uh, like him going through there that's done it before. They can't rely on another young kid, you know, taking eighty percent of the center bounces. They need to throw him in there. So, I think it's reasonable to expect a slight increase in his midfield time. But even if he doesn't, even if he continues with the role he has, he's still going to be that safe ninety-five plus. Um, potentially three figures plus sort of player for us. And, you know, everything that we've just mentioned previously with Steele applies to Zorko, and I still think he's he's a great selection, especially at his price. I think you pretty much said everything. It's funny, I read the, the Freco tweet the other way in that I thought he was saying 60% mid and 40% forward, and every, all the comments are like, which way are you talking? So I, I don't know which, which way he meant, but um, I, I do agree with your... Um, assessment there. If I had to choose one, I'm I'm probably choosing Zorko. I don't know if that's an anti-Pies bias just because of how disappointed I am with um, Collingwood this season, and that might very well be a bias. I know I'm sounding like a joke, but it, it legitimately might be. Um, Chizo, the last one's Impy. Um, people that missed Impy, would you jump on him or would you stick with? Is he a lower echelon of you know player than? In a, in a, yes. these guys. Yeah, I, I believe so. I think he's a tier two or tier three. I wouldn't be swapping an absolute bona fide top echelon midfielder, uh, a mid-forward eligible player in Dunkley to someone like Impey that, you know, obviously has injury history, definitely doesn't have the history of going, yeah, averaging high 90s, which is what he is now. There's probably going to be a tapering at some point. Um and so I would probably not be looking at him at this stage. Um, I, I think if you've got all of those guys and Impy's your last one to, you know, to, to be considered, you've probably just finished your forward line by bringing him in. All right. I think we've got to uh, jump into the back line, keep the podcast moving. Cheezo, the back line presents a vast amount of interesting options. There's actually 21 players that have more than 100 points three-round average. So there's a lot of players that are doing bits down back, but uh, we need to basically just try and um, figure out who's the ones that are you know best going forward. If you don't have Ridley, he's got 196 break even. Would you jump on him? Or would you just, you know, he plays Carlton, you might hit that. But <laughs> um, would you would you jump on him? Would you wait and let him uh, fall away a little bit in price? Well, the, the price is sort of, it's not irrelevant, but it's less important to me because I think Ridley just goes back to his 115, 120 ways. And so do I want to risk missing someone like Jordan Ridley for two weeks that he, he might score 250 points over the next two weeks? And whoever we... Uh, we pick in comparison might end up being like a, a Jack Bowes or a Jaden Short or you know the the, the next echelon down, um, and and then it's sort of finding you know 530k. I think he gets to in round eight. I think I'd prefer just to try and grab him if if I was faced with a scenario where I could get it because you're swapping a bona fide primo for a bona fide primo that's not going to break the bank. Um, it still gives you a little bit of flexibility. Um, I, in an ideal world, you'd wait a couple more rounds, but I think 
if you have the ability to, you know, the the, the premise that I'm, I'm I'm taking with this pistol was that it's allowing you to get someone off field. If you've got like yeah. five yeah. defensive premiums right now, I would probably wait. But you know, if you've got uh, Josh Dunkley in your forward or your midfield, and you're electing to bring in a um, defender. It means to me you've got problems there, and so for that reason, I would be just cashing him in and 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 bringing him into the side because it probably makes your whole structure better. Yeah, he's probably only going to drop about sixty k more. He's already dropped thirty k because of that injury. If you can wait one more week, I probably would ideally wait one more but if you if you can't because you're about to cop a donut and you need to trade in the defender and you're not really sure which ones to get and Ridley's on the table just just get Ridley he's yep. going to score really well I think it's as simple as that um Jizo, I think some of the other cheaper options or I guess ones that people might not have a, a little bit of the, the PODs I'm going to talk uh, kind of in a group sense um Luke Ryan he's 540,000 Round fourteen by Callum Mills five hundred twenty five thousand, um, and he also has a round fourteen by. Then you've got Doherty five hundred twenty two thousand with a round thirteen by. Jaden Short five hundred thousand round thirteen by. Dan Houston round twelve, uh, and he's also five hundred thousand. I'm not going to talk about the lever and the crisp and players who I think are. Uh, not necessarily going to maintain even Bose at 586. I think Bose now is a three on average of 90. We probably don't really need to discuss them. Yeah. Um, out of the ones that I'm talking about, do, uh, how would you kind of tier list them? And do you have some of the, those reasons why? It's a good question. Um, it's hard to deny Mills's start to the year playing as a center bounce midfielder. Um, although he his role changed a little bit on the weekend, didn't it? You know, like he he played the first half as a centre bounce mid, then he went back a little bit to try and um, stop the influence of some of their small forwards, uh, then saw another couple. It's the one thing that kind of puts me off Mills is that his role can change at the drop of a hat and whether he, you know, makes a full-time job of swapping between positions is kind of what scares me off so i'm kind of seeing that 110 average to start the year inflated by a two you know two couple huge really, scores <laughs> huge scores and the ones in between are just you know just they're decent they're not you know um uh you know massive flaws or anything like that but you've obviously got a 154 a 93 109 then an 87 84 and a 136 um and Obviously, those two scores are pumping up his average, and it, it, the fact that you can't argue with the fact that he's averaging 110. I just see he's going to have that ability to be flexible in this in in their team is going to see his role change week to week, and you you might see scores fluctuate a little bit more. Um, I would prefer to lean towards the defenders that have a little bit more stability in their um, their scoring potential. Um, someone like a a Ryan or a Doherty. And definitely not short at this stage, Pistol. Hooley coming back as uh, has really, really impacted him. And he's just been butchering right. it the last month, probably. So, uh, he's, right, no to short. He's out. Yeah, he, he's, <laughs> he's not really uh, um, jumping off the page for me. I would be looking at um, the, the likes of a Doherty or a Ryan. Probably a, a Ryan for me, I think, is a sneaky, um, good selection and is always underappreciated. And 
he had a really, really bad game on the weekend and still scored 80 or 90 or something like that. So, yeah, 87. 87. And that was, a, that was in a really, really poor performance by him. So um, I feel like he would definitely be an option for me um, this week if I was looking to kind of shore up the defense uh, in, in that sort of aspect. I guess it'll, it particularly depends on our buyer structure because a lot of us already have some heavy uh, influence from premiums back there. So uh, keep that in consideration as well. He took eight kickouts, which definitely helps when you're having a bad game, just yep. taking kickouts. Um, I should say to touch on your Callum Mills point, he was in 42% CBAs, just to back up what you were, you were seeing on the screen with him, I guess, slightly junior. Although he was unbelievable the whole yeah, game. Yeah. So it wasn't like uh, just because he was out of position, he was bad. He, he was genuinely incredible the whole match. It's funny that you mentioned those two um, Luke Ryan, I do feel is someone said, well, but you've chosen the two round 14 by players and I'm, I'm kind of looking at it as if I take one of them, I'm probably copying a, probably copying a zero during the round 14 by. And if I do that, Chizo, it just means that my true average of them ends up being a little bit lower because I have an extra zero that I wouldn't be getting if I were to choose one of the other selections. So then I look at the players like Doherty, and Houston, and I guess Rich is in a subset of that. I'm probably ruling out Rich unfairly because of his age, um, because he's only been putting out really good numbers this season, but I'm going to still rule him out for the rest of this conversation. Doherty's been... Whilst he hasn't really been looking like he's playing well, he's not like playing good football, but he's scoring good super coach points, if that makes sense. Yeah. He's getting a lot of the ball. He's not doing... He's been a, a little, still a little bit of a butcher, but he's he's scoring really well. Again, like taking kickouts and stuff too, so which, high floor. Which always helps, always helps. And, and his floor this season has been phenomenal. I mean, his last four in particular, 109, 109, 98, 121, like that's immense. Um, for a defender at 522K, the round 13 by as well is not too bad. Yeah. Not great, but it's still... I just have a lot more faith in Doherty given, unfortunately for Carlton fans, like the ball just is around Doherty more often. Like it's it's in Carlton's back line. And, he, you know, when he's taking kickouts, these are all really big positives for Doherty. I think he's a really safe selection. And if you're mm. looking for a pick, I think he might be someone... I, I probably am tossing up between him and Houston, ironically. Um, the other two options, <laughs> Houston... Houston I mean, this this all just proves that I don't think you can go wrong when no. you're picking one of these. I think they're all going to be good. Uh, unlike, so. unlike the forward line, we've got a lot of defenders that we can pick from and, and you know comfortably say they've got a reasonable floor and that it, whoever you pick, you're going to be you know, reasonably happy with. It's not like you're going to pick someone and suddenly, you know, in the forward line, there's no Tom McDonald's that you can realistically pick with the options that we have in the back line. Yeah, no, all out of these ones at least. We'll come to that Tom McDonald equivalent in that in a moment, Chizo. But uh, Houston this season has also been extraordinary. Extraordinary. He, he copped an injury in round five, um, just after quarter time, um, against Carlton. Scored forty eight points in just over a quarter, so he was on track for another really big score. He's basically he's put out an eighty two on one fifty six, ninety five, one sixteen, the forty eight, one oh seven. So he is approximately you know, 40, 50K underpriced because of that injury um, in that Carlton match. And he still has a break-even this week of 140. So he will drop yet again, um, most likely. So he's 
basically the last couple of games been playing as a, a pure midfielder um, for Port as they you know throw around some of their backmen and bringing in some. You know we saw the flash Frederick uh, in the side this week I and mean, looked amazing. You know off the half back line and Houston's just nowhere near the back line anymore. <laughs> he's he's a midfielder. He's so everywhere is where he is. He's everywhere, and you know Port. I've I've spoken about it before that Port's really good run after the bye, you know, to end the season, and it is exceptional. So I'm leaning towards Houston um, as my player of choice. I think he's definitely underpriced because of that injury. So I do enjoy that little bit of value, and I don't think I still think he can match it with the big hitters as well. So I don't feel like I'm sacrificing quality. Um, for getting that little bit of value, but that's just my opinion. I understand that there's a lot of risk because he is also versatile and could be thrown anywhere at any point in time. So there is that risk. That's that's right there with him as well, Chizo. So the pick, the player I want to talk about with you though, Chizo. Yes. Kept mentioning um, a little bit of a little bit of uh, Tom McDonald, but of the back line, I guess we'll say the value pick that could score well. Stephen May, 407k. Uh, still has a break-in at 139, so will drop probably below 400,000. This year, he scored 117, 82, 78, 7 when he broke his cheekbone, and then, or eye socket, I should say, and then a 94 last week. We know last year he went on a, basically a run of, what, 10 games in a row above 90. Um, so he's been consistent in the past does take kickouts as well, so it's not like he is is different than the other players that we're talking about. You know, it's great that they are able to have such a high, you know, floor. I don't think, given he's on kickouts, I, I don't expect him to suffer and have a really, really, you know, poor games. How do you see his value? I guess going forward as a viable selection and just a note he took seven kickouts on the on the weekend yeah it's an interesting point i i certainly see him on the probably the tier down from a lot of these um tier one premiums and the likes of the the lloyds and the ridleys i think he probably goes 90 to 95 is is realistic the fact that he is so cheap works into your favor particularly if you didn't have any cash last week um, and suddenly you're faced uh, with you know what to do with Dunkley, and being able to reappropriate some of that money, um, it, it'll give you 230k left over. That might get you Goulden to someone, and so I, I can absolutely appreciate why you'd be interested in it. Round 14 by everything you mentioned before, so something to consider. And I, I think the thing that stands out for me um, is. If we're considering Stephen May, is he taking up one of the spots that might be occupied by, you know, say a Lloyd or a Whitfield that um, you haven't picked up yet? If he becomes D6, I I think that's, you know, and you can get those guys, that's not going to be a problem. I I still think we need to be conscious of the fact that we're still going to want to look and get Whitfield in the next... um, you know, four to six weeks, we're going to be looking at him, hopefully. So uh, maybe even shorter than that. Uh, is he the Tom McDonald of the back line? I would say no, because I think that his floor is going to be far better. His role is going to be better, and he does take the kick-ins. It's just hard for me to rationalize 
why someone would be in a situation where their backline is in that dire straits that they're going to be using the cash from someone like Dunkley to get a defensive premium in and then go really, really cheap. It just it just feels like more turning one issue into two issues if I'm person, you know, being perfectly honest. I'd, I'd, I'd rather just get someone like Ridley and call it a day. I mean, gee, so if I'm getting Houston and Zorko, for example, my most likely trading options for this round, mm. I could get instead Stephen May and Petrarca, for example, at the same same price. So I guess that's where the value comes into play because in st- straight away you're then catapulting your one of your selections into the top tier of midfielders. Um, you know, does that have any effect on your thinking? No, because I still think that the likes of Houston and Zorko are the the amount that they're underpriced is pretty much equal to what Stephen May is, but they're going to average. But they're more, good. <laughs> they're going to average more combined than what Stephen May and Petrarca might. Because because yeah. you know you're getting two underpriced players. It's it, it's an interesting question. It's probably we probably should have started the podcast at eight o'clock if you're we're going to get that philosophical <laughs> about it. Um, um, no, that's fair. That's a fair. That's a fair criticism and point, Chizo. I definitely agree um, with the overall sentiment of what you're saying there. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Um, and I do think he's in that tier two, and I'm trying my best to not get tier two players. And if I am going to get a tier two player, it's I want Caleb them Daniel to have only four thirty. <laughs> no, I want them to have the ceiling that matches it with the big yeah, boys. Yeah, that's a good if I'm point. I'm going to go there, and and I don't think I, Stephen May. Don't get me wrong; he's got the floor of the big boys, but he so, yeah, I'm really gaining any ground if he's just grinding out those eighty fives to ninety fives every week. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not gaining on anybody. Who, who has, you know, a Houston popping out of 150. Um, so I'm going to jump into the midfielders. <laughs> the really obvious there, point that I would I should have picked up on that. That was great. Pistol, thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> no. We're bouncing the ideas off each other, Cheezo. So I make a great team. We're going to jump into the, four, the midfielders. And I think there's quite a few options to talk about. It's going to be a difficult conversation. It's, there's too many. I think to talk about in the depth that we we have been talking about. Yeah. So I'm going to read a whole bunch of names and I'm going to need you to do your best at kind of ordering them in order of priority in which you would get them. And then I might have some questions and ask you some questions about them and we can have a little bit of discussion. But I, I don't really want to discuss all of them or we'll be here 
yeah. forever and it's already late. So I'm going to just start from the top and we'll go... Okay, can, I, option, can I start replacing. before you start calling out names? You may. Anyone from the top 10, just... It, it, or anyone from the top 15 has a case to be in your side and if you like one of them, you should just back your gut and pick it. There's no, there's no, no need, there's, there's no there's need to break... There's some better than others. There's no need to break down Jack Steele versus Sam Walsh. Why? Because they're both perfectly viable options. You know, but if, one's if, better than the other. And people want to know, people have specifically asked me this week, should I get Sam Walsh or Jack Steele? And I want to know your reasoning, Cheezo, on which one to get. I have no reasoning on which one to get. It, 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 it's, <laughs> it, it's honest. It, I, I, would be, I would care more about the buy that I'm bringing in than I would about who it is. If I'm picking between Sam Walsh, Jack Steele, Jack McRae, Marcus Bontempelli, Jared Lyons, Clayton Oliver, Zach Merritt, all of these guys, the buy is more important than who it is, in my personal opinion. They're, they're, they're all reasonably around the same price. They're all scoring around the same amount. Obviously, you're going to have those on the, the absolute higher tier, like a Jack McRae. And if, you want, if you've got 40K in the bank and you want to get Jack McRae and that's what you're going for, then... That's that's your call. I, I can't talk you out of that, but I'm not I'm not going to sit here and say you shouldn't pick Jack McRae. You should pick um, Zach Merritt and save 150k or whatever, you know whatever the 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 price difference is 80k. You know like that that's got to be that's got to be your call because there's so many midfielders that are going to go 110 plus, and you're probably going to be happy with all of them. I think buy is more important. That that's a fair point, but I'm going to sit here and tell you which ones to get. Okay, go. <laughs> I'm going. I'm going to have to, because realistically, there there has to be a way to differentiate between them. Sam Walsh, 580k, um, averaging 119, and Jack Steele, 643k, with a break even of 170, averaging 117. I'm not saying Jack Steele is a bad pick. Don't get me wrong. I just think Sam Walsh is good value. And when I'm tossing up between these two players, I like the value of Sam Walsh, who's on the up in price, and Jack Steele's on the downwards trends. For me, it's going to be kind of as simple as that. You have Clayton Oliver kind of smack bang in the middle at 596k. That run that Melbourne have coming up, which we've spoken about in the past, North Melbourne, Sydney, Carlton, Adelaide in a row, is beautiful. For that reason, Clayton Oliver is my top pick out of those three, if you are deciding between those three. It makes Petrarca look like a pretty good smoky as well. Um, he's hit some really hot form, 129 three-round average with really good form. I think if you're looking for a POD, it definitely could be the one. Um, Bontempelli as well, 125 three-round average without Dunkley. Jesus has not got Dunkley to compete with anymore for that center bounce time. Um, his stocks have just risen, and you could say the same about Lions without Neil. His stocks have also just risen. Exactly. There's so, a, anyone on the top ten has a viable option to be picked. Pretty much. I mean, it, it is. I, I probably wouldn't get Fife. I think uh, I call the Jets on that one. I know he looks unbelievable, and it, it's funny hearing someone say, you know, don't get a player who's basically put out. Just insane scores. You know, he's got a three-round average of 132. But to put it into perspective, he's played Hawthorne, Adelaide, and North Melbourne. Like, they're all poor clubs. Like, I would expect him to dominate against those teams. He 
doesn't get to play all those teams again. He plays some of them a bit later, but it's. I, I think I would be jumping on the other players that we've mentioned before him. Um, I think uh, Cam Guthrie's in that tier two. Mitch Duncan, I would argue, is the same. I know he's scoring unbelievably well. He kicked four goals, looked brilliant, 149 points, but we've seen him in the past go through purple patches. Like He's a, a massive purple patch man where he will do this. We got him last year after a purple patch, and then he just went back to averaging like 105, and same thing might happen. He's also a year older. It's not like Geelong have looked unbelievable except for one match as well. So for me, I understand the POD. He's also in the number one ranked team overall. So if you're trying to gain ground on the leader and you're trying to win, uh, it makes it a little bit hard when first place who's ahead of everyone also has him. So don't I wouldn't really take that into consideration. I just think it's people are picking him because he's a POD. And I'm like, well, he's in the number one team. You're not, you're not gaining ground on him by doing that. I kind of would I'd take the the anti-POD side of that. I'd let them have Mitch Duncan as a POD and see if he breaks down or, you know, drops off and finishes his purple patch. Cheese, definitely feel free to interject if uh, you see something that you, you want to say because I'm, I'm worried I'm just ranting now for a, a, a long time. No, no, no. I, yeah, I, I agree with basically everything you're saying. If you had to pick between Mitch Duncan and Cam Guthrie then, <laughs> Between the two of those, I'd pick any other player. You wouldn't get in the situation. They're 582 and 587. So <laughs> you're, never, you're never in a situation where you have to get there. So I'm not going to answer your question. They're both in the top five averaging. Throwing me, throwing me under the bus with that question <laughs> over there. Um, Tuke Miller as a POD is averaging 110. He, he's a real POD, but he's scoring this season. Uh, look... He's had a 131 against North, a 132 against Carlton, a 146 against Sydney. Um, I don't think his scoring is sustainable and he's going to come up against better teams and score way worse. It's red line, isn't it? Like if we're if we're yeah. looking at um, you know, someone like Bont who's averaging 115, he's doing that pretty comfortably. If we're looking at Took averaging 110, we're kind of like there's maybe half a point left, whereas Bont's got a whole another gear to go into, most likely. Yeah, and I think uh, the same can probably be said about Adam Trelaw. Uh, unfortunately, as a Collingwood supporter, he's 568k. He's put four tons in a row, nice tons as well, and you'd think without Dunkley, that midfield time just increases for him. My issue with Trelaw has always been how injury-prone he is. Um, he missed all the preseason, was in doubt for round one, Made it just, didn't look great, but uh, has put together great performances in round two onwards. But I think uh, when you're already at that price point, you just pay a tiny bit more to get someone who's probably a tier one midfielder. Um, There's no other midfielder here that I really want to discuss. I saw some people talking about humor cluggage. I'm just thinking, Chizo, Lockie Neal's out. Who do people expect the tag to go to? The, like the, it's going to be McCluggage. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Zorko has shown some propensity to be tagged in the past, and they could easily do that. But I think Hugh McCluggage is now more damaging as a midfielder. He's done his, his apprenticeship. He's ready to... Um, I mean, he's obviously not a, an inside, inside bid. He's more of a silky outside sort of player. A but taggable player. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so... 
depending on who's damaging, you might see that tag be rotated, but he's definitely one I, I probably wouldn't consider. Uh, would you go, is there anyone sort of cheaper, maybe under a hundred and uh, sorry, 500 K pistol that you might be looking at if we're, we're talking about um, sort of like the Stephen May, the midfield. <sighs> You're trying to get me to talk about dust. Yes! <laughs> and under 500 K only four ninety seven. Uh, Three-round average of 113, not at all inflated by that 162 pistol. <laughs> Is this the year? Oh, you tell. If they, are they going to play him in the midfield? I felt like they played him in the midfield this round. He got 19 touches at halftime, and they were like, wow, that, that was a good half. We should, we should play him in the midfield for the second half. <laughs> and then he got 23 touches in the second half, ended with 42. And, you know, the goal as well was, was cherries. But he, honestly... I'm not kidding. If he plays in the midfield for the rest of the season without a second outside of it, he's not a bad selection. I just have no faith at all that they're going to keep with him in the midfield because they just have never done it before in the past. Um, and injuries. So we're, we're going to have players come in and out as the as the season progresses. So uh, I think in a really good year, he could average 100, which is kind of what he's doing now, but he's not a viable option, I don't think. Um Someone that is just, you know, slightly underneath him at 479k pistol is Andy Brayshaw. Has shown the propensity to be tagged, has shown that if he's not tagged, he can go 120 plus. What's your initial thoughts on Andy? <laughs> I love Andy Brayshaw so much. It this this hurts me to see he he's scored four games above 112, but he's been tagged in two games for a 66 and a 48, which are admittedly terrible scores for a super coach player, but he's so cheap and he offers such great value because his ceiling does match it with the big boys. Um, geez, I'm going to have to repeat what JB told me before the podcast because otherwise... Nah, I'll claim it for my... yourself. Don't give him the, the kudos. No, no, because I'll, <laughs> I'll get ahead of I'll get ahead of myself if I, if I don't try and... Uh, <laughs> balance it out with JB's advice. But JB was saying to me before the podcast that Brayshaw looks like great value and he is great value, but the problem is that he will be tagged again. He plays Carlton and Hawthorne, who he got tagged against. He plays them in back-to-back rounds in round 16 and 17. Yeah. And on top of that, Chizo, he plays more teams that also run with tags later in the season. So whilst he doesn't for like the next five, six weeks, it will look great when his averaging 120 over the next six weeks. But then if he has three games or four games where he scores in the 50s and 60s, it all averages back out. And he probably ends up averaging, you know, 100 to 105 for the rest of the season because of those tags um, in the end anyway. So he's kind of arguing it, it feels it feels better than it really is because you get really excited by those high scores. But when those low scores come, it does make a difference in the average. And if you're picking him, it means you're not picking someone like a Lions or a Bonts or a Petrarca because you can't fit all these players uh, you know, into your midfield. So it does end up coming at a, 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 an opportunity cost on top of you know, um, him potentially being tagged. But with that being said, Chizo, 479000 at only 53 break-even. He's going to rock it up in price if... You are low on trades, and you're not going to be able to finish your team. I definitely think he is great value, and if you would like extra trades to finish your team, I do think he's great value. And if you're going really well this season, then you can push him to M9. He's a great loopholing player because he's got such a high ceiling as well. So that's another factor to take into it. And I sit here, and I just want him 
so badly and I'm tossing up between three or four players and I don't I, I still won't know until the you know Saturday teams come out on Friday night I'm not sure if he'll be in my team or not but he's definitely one of my options I'm considering trading in this round yeah I guess I guess it boils down to I think the midfield has a stack of viable options that if you miss out on Brayshaw and you pick someone else, you're going to be fine. I think in the defense, if you pick um, Doherty over um, a Luke Ryan, you're going to be fine. I think it's the forward line that you could really mess it up. You could really get on someone you think is going to, is on a hot run and is going to average 100 for the rest of the year and then they average 75 because they they were literally just in a purple patch. I think that's the more likely scenario and so i would be more likely to pay um, pay for value in someone like a zorko or a society that has has dropped a little bit of cash from a um, a couple poor scores than i am from someone like brayshaw i just i just feel like if i don't get brayshaw at this price and he turns out to be an absolute superstar there's probably someone that's like averaging the equivalent to him at that stage that has probably had a bad game and I can pick up equivalently anyway. So on paper, it looks like great value, as you say, but I I just think that for me, I would rather take the opportunity to shore up someone like somewhere like my forward line because if you're doing a, um, a Dunkley out of your forward line, you're definitely not going to be better off by deciding to go for a mid-only player as your replacement. I mean, it depends. You might have heaps of forwards. and Yeah. That- I have seen some sides with three mid, three premium midfielders, and then I'm like, oh, you really need to get a midfielder. So not every time. But yeah, I, I overall sentiment, again, I agree. I, it's such a shame that his time on ground remains so low still because his points per minute has been... It's always been exceptional, and it, it still remains exceptional mostly hits the 1.3 points per minute mark but he just doesn't play the same minutes as all the top tier midfielders like he plays a good 10 to 15 to some games 20 minutes you know even more than that so uh even less than them so he's just missing out on bulk points he he, one day chizo he will be in all of our sides i just don't know if it's in 2021 sure Uh, i think that wraps up all the potential premium options you might be looking at for someone like a, a dunkley or O'Neill this week, Pistol, we should pop over to the rookie side of the ledger. And <laughs> it's slim pickings, to say the least. And of those that we're picking between, the majority of them are inflated in price. It's a really, really tricky scenario this week if you've got to pick up a rookie to facilitate your other trade that you might be doing. Oh, boy. I'm looking at the rookie... You know, players that uh, have played two games and some that have played one game and some that have played three games. And I do not get excited about any of these players. Um, it's, it's not, this isn't a great situation to be in, Chizo. Yeah. And, you know, if, I, if I'm looking at the, the rookies this week, I'm probably referring to Jai Farah, Connor Menadu, Atu, McRae, and Sam Flanders as. Um, those kind of like on the bubble. Well. And then those that have played three or more games, yeah. probably a Dev Robertson, a McCreary, as you say. And obviously from the, the ton from Cozzy, it's going to see his price inflate. We, we kind of, 
there's no one really bargain basement price apart from McRae that we we can really consider this week, to be honest. And McRae didn't have a great Anzac Day game. So it leaves us, if not McRae, then which highly inflated rookie are we going to jump on if we need to get a a rookie pick this, this week, Pistol? And it's honestly a really, really tough scenario to be in to be trying to suggest to someone they should be getting on a 185k rookie that i'm not confident is going to average higher than 60 at best oh this is a tough this is a very 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 tough section cheese i do want to say if finlay mccray is not dropped this round and we will get to find out before you have to make your round trades because we'll find out as with most of these rookies, we will find out if they are playing, um, you know, by 6.20 on Friday night. If he's not dropped, I, I think Finlay McRae could potentially still be the best option at his price and with DPP. I'm not, I haven't, I haven't ridden him off yet just because of his pedigree that he has and what we've seen in the past. I am disappointed that he's played out of position and it does feel kind of like me just wishing that Buckley plays him in the midfield and it just not happening. And it might never happen, and he might continue to do badly. So this is why it makes it it's so tough this week, Chizo. But I kind of think a two's job security isn't great. Um, we have probably Manager going out first for Hall, and then Core comes in, and a two's one bad game from being dropped, and yeah. I don't really want to pay that price for that job security. Jai Farah, I think uh, you're alluding to when you say there's 180k forward who's put out two decent scores, but we have no confidence in how he will score going forward. This is a guy who played in the sample um, 2019. He played two matches, got six touches in each match, played some AFL footy in 2020, also got six touches, and now has come out this season and done really well in both games. And that might be a development thing in the breakout year. Totally, it totally could be. But also, what confidence do I have in sitting here and saying, you know, pick a guy who the only thing I've seen from him basically is he's not a high possession winner. And this could have been his best two games of his footy career, for all I know. It's also a role change. Um, from my observations from the game, mm. he was playing yep. as an accountable uh, defensive type, and he, he when you watch him play, you look at him and go, he's a footballer. You know, he he knows what he's doing, um, and is there for the contest and stuff like that. But I, I I think the likelihood of his low possession count was more related to the fact that he was being played um, as a forward, as evidenced by his eligibility for selection as a rookie. Um, yes. I just I yeah. There's there's just no confidence going forward that he's going to be someone that can genuinely average 60 plus and if he does he's only making us 115 ish thousand dollars and i just don't think that that's enough to go on i think we i think we need um a better role or more evidence or a better pedigree that we can more reliably um kind of jump on i think connor sputterjew is just not someone that we we really should be considering regardless if he's going to get nope. get game time. Um, Atu is, you know, what defensive rookie isn't, uh, sorry, um, what rookie isn't, you know, at risk of losing their spot if they have a bad game. And Sam Flanders is also another one from the Gold Coast, but elevated and, um, you know, not someone I'm looking at. I think, I think the only one that kind of jumps out for me in terms of elevated rookies that I might be 
considering would be Dev Robertson, but at two hundred and twenty six thousand, is he even considered a rookie now? Is he he not more of a a, a mid priced? Yeah, Chizo. Look, I, I don't like trading a rookie down to someone at this price unless they're going to make me some big bucks. And I'm looking at Bryce Mitchell's projection for him, and if he averages seventy two in four weeks, he can make a hundred k. And then it kind of starts to not make any more money and you're kind of playing game by game. And it sounds crazy, but 100K realistically might be better than all of these other options. They might not make 100K, even McCreary at 150K. I'm not sure he's going to get up to 250. He'd have to do a James Rowe and put out, you know, a 70 plus score to try and get close. Um, So I don't know if even he's a better option. It it is tough. I think we should note um, that... With Barry out of the side, Dev Robinson scored really well on, on debut um, with that 83. Barry back in the side, he scores 35. Barry out of the side, scores 97. Now Lockie Neal is out of the side. If Dev Robinson is the guy that comes into um, you know, to put the midfield for the Lions, he could potentially have a very lucrative role. You know, Going forward, we could be seeing some 80s or, or 90s. So Dev Robinson is probably the pick of the litter out of those options. But Chizo, is he worth 100K more than McRae if he's names? Because you get 100K immediately to reinvest in your side somewhere else in the premium position. So, you know, how do you, how do you value that? It's, well, firstly, Dev Robinson has had, you know, when we're talking about pedigree, he's the one that a lot of us have you know, had an outside for a couple of years now, or, you know, the, the DPP that he has, a couple of us had him in our forward lines and, and midfields and stuff during the preseason. And that's because we know he's an inside midfielder that, given the right role in the NEFL or the VFL now, it scores crazy numbers. So the question was always, is he going to get game time? Is he going to get the role? And the fact of the matter is, he probably is now. And... Of all the rookies there, he's the only one that stands a realistic chance of cracking 300k. You know, of those elevated guys, I don't, I don't see um, the 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 likes of uh, Farah or Atu or Metaju, um getting anywhere close to that. So if they're making you know 100k, 120k at best, we're kind of saying Devin Robinson needs to get to 350 plus to be a successful pick in my eyes. I think 350 plus is about the mark given the troubled kind of situation. If, if you're paying this much for a rookie, then you're expecting a greater return. I don't think you should be picking Dev Robinson for 100K. I think you should be picking him because you think he has the potential to reach 400, that he has the potential to be a 70, you know, the, the, the two games that, um, let me just double check, the two games that he had the right role, he went 83 and 97. I think you should be picking him based on the fact that you think he can do that more often than not going forward. But if he's alternating between 40s and 80s for the rest of the year, then I think he's a failed selection. I think the big thing here is just with the volume of outs in people's forward line, I think you're trying to pick someone now because of their job security almost. And it's kind of like if, if he can put together some you know 80s and 50s, 
you know alternating between those even on your field it's better than zeros yeah as well yeah so i don't think it's as clear-cut as uh you know he has to get to 400k because you're getting points on your field but at the same time i don't i don't feel comfortable with any of these selections this is a hard place to be put in pick the pick the worst um, to try the, and the best of the worst bunch sort of situation it's not like you're sitting here and actively going yeah get you should totally get devon it's of no. of the scenario we have right. i i think for me is it's either McRae and using that cash to upgrade elsewhere if you can, if McRae is not going to be on field option for you or Robertson if you know you're so light and so high at risk of getting a donut that you need that on field security and that odds on field scoring potential yeah uh, i don't know maybe it's my collingwood bias coming back into play i just like finlay McRae. i think he'll be in and out the side I also feel like he might get to 250k if he just puts together a couple of good games, but I, I don't know if he'll get that opportunity this year at Collingwood. So it's a really, really tough one, Chizo. I do not envy people having to make this decision, you know, this week. Uh, that is a super tough one. The last thing I want to touch on, though, is people potentially going early on Phil Thorpe, tongue twister, uh, or uh, Flash Frederick. Uh, down back mm. who scored exceptionally well 123k um, managed to put out I think it was an 87 off the top of my head yep. I accidentally just closed the page while we were talking <laughs> um, I won't need that Phil anymore Phil Thorpe put out a 91 <laughs> uh, what would you suggest what would you say to people going early uh, Feel the Thrill is just your I, I, I want to say run of the mill um, 200 centimetre hulking kind of full forward and he's going to have ups and downs just like a Kaczynski does so I don't expect him to be consistent whatsoever and he's obviously relied on five or six goals to get that score and if he kicks one or less then you're in trouble that week so if you're looking for um, on-field options at an elevated price I just don't think that he realistically, um, especially going early, is not not a realistic option. We we can at least wait on someone like him. Um, Frederick is he looked really good. I mean, obviously, Very it good. was a training drill, and there basically was no pressure on the Port Adelaide team all game, and so. I think that he's secured his spot for a few more weeks. I think that um, he's obviously on right on the cusp of being knocked out. I think his performance probably actually um, made me a little bit more confident to be ahead of some of the the the, the senior senior guys, or they, at least they want to give him a couple more games. Ken likes to to play the rookies um, when they're they're you know really performing and and doing playing the right role for the team. I think the thing for me is that. Um, Chapman is slowing down. He's got a break-even uh, 68 this week, 270K. It just gives us one more week to go. Is he going to get to 300? Is he going to reset that break-even? No, he scored another 50 and lost his 5K. Okay, how did Martin Frederick go? Oh, he had another good game. Cool, we've got that second look. It's just an easy downgrade for those that have someone like Chapman in the back line um, to get a little bit of cash like that and, and pick him up. I think... Going early was more likely last round. I think if we're if you know 
you had trouble last week and you didn't pick up a Mansell and you're faced with that scenario again. <sighs> Jeez, it's tough. Uh, I, I, I think you're in the situation where you'd be using that Dunkley money to shore up your defence as opposed to going early on Frederick, I, I think, I think yeah. is the situation. Yeah, I'm, I'm in that situation myself and I'm thinking Highmore might come back and that would be a blessing because then I kind of get out of that situation. But if not, I'm probably getting a premium defender instead of having to go early on someone yeah. like Freddie here. Yeah, I th- so I think, I think you are spot on with that. But there are people I'm sure that need to potentially get a defensive play. It's just so hard to sit here and say like, yes, go early because we saw what happened with Lockie Jones. It takes one injury. Yeah. And then not just that, he might, Freddie might lose his place. Like, yes, he was phenomenal. He was outstanding. Port have so many good young players. They have so many good young defenders as well. We could be sitting here in three weeks' time and Freddie's put together back-to-back stinkers and we're like, well, Jones is yep. back next week, so I guess Jones will just and come Jones back And Jones got in. the first go, so they obviously like him. Yeah, exactly. So there's plenty. I mean, Bond is coming back. I, mean, I think Bergman is probably out of the side. Yeah, he showed Bergman next. up. Yeah, he did. He he definitely did. And, that, and that's great. You know, he's jumped a place in the pecking order. But they're, they're, there's so many people coming back. Butters is coming back in a couple of weeks um, as well. There's there's everyone. It's, it's, Port Adelaide is going to be... It's such a, it's such a fight to be even in their side that it it just takes one really bad week, in that Port Adelaide side for you to get dropped, which makes me scared of like any of their rookies, even though they all look so amazing, which is a credit to them, but it's terrifying, and I don't think I'd go early on any of them, even getting Freddie next week if he puts out another good score, I feel like I have to get him. Yeah, but it could be a Highmore situation yeah. where he has a stinker in round three, and we just never see him again. Yeah. It's very possible. So I wouldn't really want to go early. I feel like at least Phil Thorpe will play many games, if not all of the games for the rest of the season for the Crows just to get the games into him. He was coming off a wing at a stage and looked like he was you know, agile and could get the ball, but he's a big guy. He's going to put out some 30s and 40s, no doubt. He might even lose money at us. I mean, probably not after this. Well, I mean, maybe he will if he puts out back-to-back 30s. <laughs> He still might lose money, um, but f- for sure, if you want someone job security wise, I think he's probably <laughs> at least someone job security. But I, I definitely couldn't sit here after one game and recommend him. Maybe if he kicks another bag of five next week, we'll we'll think a little bit differently, Chizo. <laughs> All right, mate. So to sum up the rookie sort of situation, uh, oh, no. you're faced with a selection of: do you go on a Dev Robertson or a McRae? Um, and then after that, it's kind of like, see if you can hold just for a week. Can can you make it work? Can you bring Harry Jones on field for a 30? Can you, can you do something like that um, and then get more intel on someone like a, a Frederick before going early on him as opposed to um, him jumping to the top of the, the tree? Because he, obviously, um, you know, he, he's looking like the... Um, the, the best of all these uh, rookies at only 124K, if he's performing like that, he's an absolute no-brainer. And I, I think this just sort of leads into um, the situation here. Of all the rookies that are making cash and we're looking to kind of get out of our sides, it, he suits Chapman to a T. Chapman 
68 break even. Uh, we're gonna go, we're yep. gonna know next week whether it's a trade. It's probably gonna be even if Freddie goes 50 or something like that. You know, um, start that up uh, that one up one down scenario. Uh, of the other rookies that we're sort of looking at that are uh, have the the uh, kind of getting to their price peak and we're looking to cash them in. Obviously, Gordon um, and uh, these Sydney rookies are slowing down just a little bit. Warner had another good game on the weekend. Uh, but Powell's still got a break even at 22, and you know he's probably averaging 70s. He's probably going to top out in the high 300s by around you know round nine, round 10. So uh, we're still keeping him. James Jordan got a break even of negative uh, 16 after another good game on the the, the weekend. Woohoo! Um, if he's averaging 60s or 70s, he's going to be over 300k soon. Um, so he's definitely a hold. Anthony Scott has hit some form recently, and he's averaging the 60s break even of negative eight. So we're holding him. Flynn break even a two. He's going to be cashing out maybe round 10, sort of this area as well. So. Rowe and Chapman, Rowe's got a break-even of 31. He's probably a 60% chance of not making it this week. These these are the two that <laughs> we're true. looking at trading out. Um, probably a Chapman and Rowe in terms of the next um, couple of rounds. And so my after reading all that out, my kind of crux here, Pistol, is that there's no necessity necessarily this week to take a rookie in that a lot of the rookies that we have aren't really fat enough or um, aren't really positioned where we can end up going up. So I just sort of feel like this is one of those rounds that if you just do Dunkley to someone, or let's say you know, you're kicking yourself because you've got to do Neil and Dunkley this week to go out and you're going to miss a rookie. You know, that's totally fine. I don't think there's anyone jumping off the page and you're necessarily disadvantaged. Um, And a lot of people are going to be faced with, do I take McRae this week? You know what? He doesn't look that promising. I'm going to just leave it. They only do... Maybe they don't even trade this week. You know, so um, I think in earnest when we're going to be culling the Powers, the Jordans, the Scots, the Flins, these, these types of players round eight and onwards also coincides with what premiums might be bottoming out. Like a Ridley in round eight is going to get down um, to 530K. He's got a break even 192 this week. Dusty in round eight will get down to about 430K pistol, break even 153 when he returns. Uh, And Steele, above 600K, you might just sneak him maybe 30, 40K cheaper. I think getting him in the high 500s would be amazing, but I'm not sure that's going to happen it's kind of like the round eight is when the planets are aligning with these rookies getting to the price where we're looking to cash them out as these premiums, top-tier premiums that we want on our side are sort of kind of bottoming out a little bit. And so if you're missing a downgrade in the end of round six, start of round seven, it might not necessarily be the worst thing if we're looking at the overall upgrade path for for our side pistol. I don't know if that resonates with you at all. I kind of just went on a little bit of a tangent there. What are your what are your thoughts? Are, are, are people that are looking at downgrading a rookie this week to keep the the upgrade downgrade engine turning and keep that going is that is it that big of a deal if there's Freddie next week as opposed to finding someone for this week? When you were talking, I realized that I've got issues because I have John Clark, who's pretty much, if he's named, he's 
almost has to go or he's going to start dropping in price. I guess you can always hold him through it. I still have Braden Campbell who also, um, you know, I said Clark had to break him to 89. Campbell's is also quite high. Um, Rowe, I didn't quite put two and two together that he's going to top out next week, which means I kind of have to trade him, but also have to trade Chapman. And then I'm also holding Goulden. I have a lot of players who are topping out at the mm. exact same time. It's tough, isn't it? So I'm going to, I'm going to lose money just because I've over I've held them for too long and it's just about choosing the right ones to drop <laughs> now because I've held on to probably I mean it's a good thing don't worry I've I've got cash this year it's great my cash gens are awesome but now I'm going to start losing it yeah <laughs> so I, I still have Jordan I've still got Powell you know all these players Warner um they're all coming I hope they don't top out at the same time as well because I don't have enough rookies to downgrade them to so woe is me yeah, I guess I guess the, the, the situation <laughs> I'm saying is the guys that you're looking to downgrade aren't even at the that stage yet. So if you miss out this week it's not the worst not the worst thing. It's not obvious this yeah, week, obviously yeah. it's not ideal, but uh if we've got no rookies round eight, round nine, round ten, that's when we start hitting the panic button. Yeah. Jeez, Cheezo. I'm I'm looking at my side, I'm confused now. <laughs> no, look uh no, you're right, and and the one of the things this year is it might just require a little bit of patience yeah. in, in making sure you don't jump at the wrong rookie. I, I'm I'm all for waiting. That's what that's last last week. I didn't want to get Mansell because I didn't want to get the wrong rookie. I mean, I may have inadvertently because I got Finlay McRae. I did think he was the right rookie at the time, uh, so I'm not perfect. But I also this week I would if you can avoid it. I mean, people have Dusty and you need one. I can see get Dev Robinson. Get a good score on your field and just cop it. No, it's not the best use of trade. You're not making ideal amounts of money, but you're getting a decent score and you're not getting a zero. Like, that's fine. But if you don't have that issue, just consider not getting a rookie yep. if you don't need to and just waiting to see what happens next week. Nathan Murphy from Pies looked quite good. He might stay in the side for a little bit. Let's wait and see on that one. Um, again, if Freddie lights it up, then we're going to have a double ground grade next week, potentially. So, yeah, there's a lot to consider here, Cheezo. This is a massive Supercoach week. Uh, it's going to be so interesting to see how this week shapes our you know next couple of weeks. All right. Speaking of shaping our week, Pistol, we should probably choose which of these rookies that we've been deliberating over ends up on our field for round seven. Oh boy! All righty. I think uh, <laughs> I don't want to do this this week. No, <laughs> don't make come. me pick I'll them. Just... <laughs> okay, I'll 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 pick one, and then you can pick the rest. I think that's a fair a fair thing All to right. say. Um, no, <laughs> this week if Highmore is named, I'm putting Highmore on my field above all of the defensive yep. rookies. I think he's probably you know a okay to do that mm-hmm. this week. Um, Chapman probably recovers a little bit. Um, given the ball will probably be down there and a little bit more you know, against West Coast and against North Melbourne. So I, I would feel comfortable doing that. I can't imagine Cozzy backs up his 100 with another 100 <laughs> against St Kilda, although they do have some defensive issues, Chizo. <laughs> so maybe we'll play. Yeah, maybe that's the play. <laughs> no, pro- probably wouldn't do that. James Jordan this week looks really good um, to play against North Melbourne and Tom Powell against... James Jordan, <laughs> maybe they'll play against each other. Um, I think they're both my top midfield options that I would be playing on field this week. Um, Warren, I think you've got to play just because he's getting those center bounces 
you know, his role is somewhat consistent, so I would be playing him. It's a bit tougher with Goulden because he's not in the great form. Chizo, if you had to play between Goulden and Scott, who are you playing? Um, I would probably be finding a way to loop Scott because he plays on the Friday night. Yeah, and so up. you've probably got like a Berry or a Brockman or you know one of these guys that you can loop your score on field for and then you don't have to think about it. Um, the, the problem with Goulden is that I think potentially he's had a bit of a role change. I, I remember in the first couple games when they were winning and looking like they were going to win five premierships in a row, he was just kind of floating everywhere. Whereas on the weekend, I was getting more and more frustrated because his role seems to be to guard the space where the ball isn't. And so when the ball's up the ground, he's on the opposite wing in case it gets switched uh, across half forward. And then when there's a, a when there's a stoppage inside the forward line, he ends up on the opposite side of the pocket, but on the 50-meter arc. So that, so that there's less likely of an outlet kick if they if the opposition gets it out. And so I was looking at the game, and at all times, he's like guarding the space away from where the ball was. And it was just the most frustrating thing, um, knowing he was on field. And I don't know whether he deserves a rest this week, and maybe that uh, might be something to do with it. But um, against the Cats this week, I've just got really, really grave reservations how these Sydney rookies are going to perform. So do I, Chizo. And with that being said... I guess people might need to play two of the three of these, so I probably need you to rank them sure. in order on the field. And it's going to be tough, yep. uh, no doubt about it. James Rowe, Finlay McRae, yep. and Alec Waterman. And throw Braden Campbell in the yep. mix just for good measure. Um, Waterman probably doesn't come back into a winning side, I don't think. Um, if, even for Jones? If Jones goes out, is what you're saying? Yeah, potentially, because he, he, it's, it's, he's been a bit quiet. Been he's a bit quiet? Like he's been performing touches. at his maximum potential all year. You look, you look at his <laughs> oh, scores. No. He's, at his, he's on the red limiter. Um, <laughs> and they just want to get games into him. Um, <laughs> potentially, if Jones goes out, Waterman's the obvious inclusion. If Jones keeps his spot, we'd need... Um, probably a structural change right. where we, we drop a Ruckman to bring him back in. So, and Ridley's obviously got to come back in this week. So I think the likelihood of him not being in. So the option was probably McRae out of all of that. Wow. Okay. I mean, fair enough. I probably agree. This is really Campbell tough. Campbell v. Katz, I, I... Rowe and Jones. So it doesn't matter who they're playing. <laughs> And McRae, who is a contested beast, when he's not playing in the goal square, he was not all that bad when the ball came near him. You try and you try and take the upside that McRae might have, and try and pick him. But also, if he gets fifteen are we touches, play, he James Rowe at Adelaide Oval. <laughs> James Rowe at Adelaide Oval score, scores okay. Um, I am terrified of it. I'd rather play Wardman if he is named, but I I don't think he will be. But if he's named, I'm probably playing Waterman above row. Yeah, that's true. We will never know, though. So <laughs> He's two, scares, two, sco- uh, two scores above 67 uh, for row are both at Adelaide Oval. So maybe he does. Uh, against GWS this week, he, he could go 120. <laughs> 
I like those odds. Um, they're speaking my language. The, the, the one thing I would say, Pistol, um, particularly with Scott, if you can loop him being in the, the first game of the round, you're going to see the likes of Collingwood if you um, have Finlay McRae and he get, he does get dropped. You're going to see the likes of Berry, whether he's named or not, uh, for the Crows on the Saturday. Uh, you're going to know if Brockman's been named as well. So there, there, there's a, a whole lot of... Uh, and all the Sydney rookies as well. So there's a, a massive potential to be able to loop him either forward um, or yep. in defense. So um, I, I think that's something that should be considered as well. If you can um, use that to your advantage and, and snag a 60 like I was able to last week, um, I'd, I'd be pushing that as opposed to trying to just straight up pick who needs to be on field. All right, Chizo. I think uh, we've almost come to an end of the podcast. Yep. Early early days, but who are you looking at captaining this round? Um, I think the form of the Ruckman is too good to ignore. So I would look at Brody Grundy on the Saturday afternoon against Gold Coast uh, with a 185-centimeter Ruckman in their disposal. I think he's in for a big game. If he doesn't go one... 40 plus, I would be surprised. And then being able to go into someone like Gorn, um, I, I think is the smart decision. As well as McRae is going, I think the reason that we didn't pick him last week is we we're so confident on the Rucks having a good round. I think the same thing is going to happen this week. I'm not going to sit here and argue against Grundy <laughs> into Gorn. I think that's a very obvious decision. The only other player that I would consider captaining outside of those two this Zeeble. week is probably Zeeble in the swirly winds in Blundstone yep. Arena. Uh, Stack it kick That's going to be behind. It's going to have so many kick-ins. I said it as a joke last week that we should you know, consider captaining him. I didn't expect him to score 169. That is absurd. And uh, look, at some stage, <laughs> we're going to have to consider captaining him. He's had three scores above 148. <laughs> That's insane. That it's is viable now. Actually, insane. <laughs> it's almost at the stage where you're like, yeah, I'll go go on into Zebel every week, <laughs> you know, something like that. Um, but no, this round, Grundy, I think, uh, might be too good to refuse. So I will back you in in those uh, captaincy choices there, Chase. And I think. Um my decision, if if you're someone with only one of the big rucks and you've got a like a Flynn at R two, I would be using a scenario where you can pick someone like a McRae. I, th- I think if you've got McRae, McRae works. So if you don't have Grundy or Gorn, you can still go McRae into both of them. So um, that would probably be the be the option for me if you're, you're troubled for uh, Ruck VCC options. All right. Cheese, I think that pretty much summarizes the podcast. Where can people find us online? They can find us on Twitter at Dr. underscore SC. That's the main page. We've got Chizo underscore DRSC, Pistol underscore DRSC, and JB underscore DRSC labeled in order of handsomeness. And and if you're looking for any of our podcast links, links to the Cancer Council donations, anything like that, they're all under our link tree. So you've probably noticed that uh, where we've been posting our our links and things like that, it doesn't have soundcloud.com, da-da-da-da-da. Linktree has everything underneath there. You can find all of our socials and all of our links to every podcast platform you could considerably want to uh, listen to us on are all going to be there so you can follow them on all the platforms that you see us posting. And uh, that's pretty much going to wrap us up for this large breakdown podcast. Pistol, thank you so much 
for putting up with me tonight. Oh, look, this was this is a big week for the Supercoach community, so it's a long podcast. Uh, it's a bit late now, so actually, but we we had to get it done. That's it, and we'll uh, we'll answer the Slack podcast questions on the Thursday patron only podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 